Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Oh, y'all aren't quite ready for Christmas yet, it sounds like. It's here, guys. It is, I mean, it's really been here since October, just in the culture all around us. Uh, but it is the season. It's the most wonderful time of the... Merry Christmas! Oh, that's better, that's better. Well, hey, we are going to continue our series called In His Name, but with a little bit of a Christmas twist. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're really going to be looking at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and Isaiah wrote um, the things that God revealed to him over 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And all throughout the book of Isaiah, we see incredible prophecies that point to the birth of Jesus, to the life of Jesus, and ultimately to the death of Jesus for the sins of his people. And so we're going to look really just in chapter 7 and chapter 9 at a few specific places where Isaiah gives us some names that reveal who this Messiah would be. So we're going to look today in Isaiah chapter 7. Arthur read Isaiah 7, 14 at the beginning of our worship time, uh, but we're going to continue uh, to look uh, more at the, at the chapter of Isaiah chapter 7 and see what God has to teach us today. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're with us. Some of you are probably chose to stay home today, you know, sleeping off the tryptophan from the turkey, uh, but we're so glad that you're with us. If you would, if you're new, if you're a guest with us, we would love to get to know you, and uh, so put a comment in there, and if you're a guest with us this morning, we're so glad that you're here. I would love a chance to get to meet you. I'll be out front after the service. Just come by and say hello, and next Sunday, it was already in the announcement video, but I am really, really excited about our Experience Christmas concert uh, next Sunday. It'll be a, an incredible time with some video elements and some narration and some incredible Christmas music as we kick off the Christmas season. So next Sunday evening, right here in the auditorium, join us for the Experience Christmas night. It will be a blessing to you, I promise. So make plans to be here. Well, the book of Isaiah tells us about a baby that will be born. It's kind of like a pregnancy announcement, right? You guys have seen those, especially now with social media. There's pregnancy announcements and birth announcements, and, and they get really cute and creative. People tell it, like there's the ones, and the people are holding like the little tiny pair of shoes, right? Have you seen those ones? This is one uh, for, for my family, not, not recent. This is from six years ago, okay? Don't want to... Uh, freak anybody out. So um, David, who was our fourth, um, he was born uh, in August five years ago. Uh, and it was, I remember the day I came home from work and my wife had this expression on her face telling me that something was amiss. And she said, come here, come here, I have to tell you something. I thought, oh, what is going on? Come here, come here. The kids were sitting around the kitchen table. My daughters were doing a little bit of homework. Jeremy was only nine months old at the time, you know, eating the edge of the coffee table or something. She said, come here, come here, I have to tell you something. And so I came closer. She said, come here, come here. She took me in the room and thought, what is happening? Like, what, what is going on? And then she whips out this little stick <laughs> and it said pregnant on it. And I said, praise the Lord. And she said, yeah, but... <laughs> Anyway, so, so that's how uh, the birth of our fourth born came about, and it's been a blast having Jeremy and David. They're really close together. But this was our 
pregnancy announcement. Jeremy's going to be a big brother. The surprise on the girls' faces uh, mimicked our surprise when we found out. But there's some other cute birth announcements. Here's one that I found uh, that I thought was kind of funny. Only child expiring December 11th with (laughs) sad expression on this little girl's face. And then I thought this one was really relevant to our current times. Quarantine wasn't so boring. Surprise, baby Miles, October 2020. Anyway, pregnancy announcements, right? Telling you that a child will be born. So Isaiah kind of gives us this pregnancy announcement, this birth announcement as well, except it comes 700 years before the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. 700 years before a baby would be born, Isaiah says, for unto you a child will be born. He says, the virgin will conceive and bring forth a child and his name will be. 700 years before the birth of the baby, Isaiah was prophesying that he would come. It points to the fact that God is sovereign and God has a plan. 700 years before the birth of the baby, God knew what he was up to. God had a plan for how he would redeem humanity, for how he would step into our world to be our Savior. So this morning, we're going to look at this passage. I want you to stand with me as we read from Isaiah chapter 7, just one verse, and then we're going to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 1. And then we'll get into the message this morning. So let me read. You can read along on the screen. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And then 700 years later in Matthew chapter 1, we have this recorded. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. Which is translated God is with us. Let's pray Lord, thank you for Emmanuel. Thank you that you are with us. God, you are not far off, but you are near. So this morning, as we look to your word, I pray that we would experience the reality of your presence. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to hear from you. Lord, help us to lean in close to hear what you have for us today. Remind us that you are with us. Increase our faith. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. So in Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet named Isaiah gives us 
this foretelling of what would take place 700 years later in a town called Bethlehem, the city of David. But let me give you a little synopsis of what's going on in Isaiah chapter 7 at this time. You see, the nation of Israel had split into two parts. There was a northern kingdom that was still called Israel. It was made up of 10 tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then there was a southern kingdom that was made up of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. And that nation, that kingdom was called Judah. And so you had the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, and they were split In fact, they were oftentimes at war with one another. These people who were God's people, who were supposed to be one family, one nation, had been divided and they were now at war with each other. Up at the northern kingdom where you had the the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, there was another kingdom nearby called Aram, A-R-A-M, Aram. The Aramean people, the the capital of that nation was a city called Damascus, which is still today the city of Damascus. It's the capital of the nation of Syria. So the kingdom of Israel and their neighbors, the kingdom of Aram, had gone into an alliance together. And they were trying to get the kingdom, the nation of Judah, to join their alliance. But Judah wasn't interested, and so they decided that they would attack Judah and force them to comply, force them to become a part of their alliance. Now, the reason that Israel and Aram had become aligned with one another is because there was another larger kingdom. In fact, it was the superpower of the day called the the Assyrian Empire. I've got a map here. You can see it. So here's the Assyrian Empire. This is the uh, Mediterranean Sea over here, and, and then you've got um, kind of all of, this is modern-day Turkey up here, so this is like the nations of, of Syria and Iran and Iraq and all the way down um, and almost into this would be kind of like modern-day um, Afghanistan and Pakistan and, and kind of the uh, central part of Asia. But the Assyrian Empire was a vast empire. Down here you had the desert, and this was kind of the nomadic tribal people of the day. And then you had the little tiny nation of Judah right here, the little orange dot. And you had the slightly larger nation of Israel, the green section here. And then this section here, the red section, is Aram. And Aram and Israel had joined together to defend themselves against this guy. And they were trying to get Judah to join their alliance. But Judah wouldn't do it. And so they came together and they decided that they would attack Judah. And Isaiah chapter 7 tells us that they attacked the city of Jerusalem, but they couldn't overtake it. So Aram sent reinforcements and they camped out there in the nation of Israel and they were going to come in for another attack. And that's where Isaiah chapter 7 starts. Tells us that the king of the nation of Judah at that time, his name was Ahaz, was really afraid In fact, it says that he was shaking like a tree. The people of Judah were afraid. This is where the prophet Isaiah comes in. God speaks to Isaiah and he tells him to go see King Ahaz. I'm gonna read this for you. Isaiah chapter seven, verse three. 
The Lord said to Isaiah, go out with your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field. Let me just tell you what this means. Go back real quick. The conduit of the upper pool, this is like um, an aqueduct. Do you remember that from history class way back in the day? An aqueduct is, is the way that water was brought into a city. And so uh, Ahaz was inspecting the aqueduct that would bring water to the city because when the siege came, came from Israel and Aram, he wanted to make sure that the city could get water. So he's preparing. He's preparing for battle. He's preparing for a siege. And Isaiah goes to him with his son. And verse 4 says, God tells Isaiah, say to him, calm down and be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. The fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, the son of Remaliah, from, for Aram, along with Ephraim, Ephraim is another name for the nation of Israel, and the son of Remaliah, has plotted harm against you. They say, let's go up against Judah, terrorize it, and conquer it for ourselves. Then we can install Tabil's son as king in it. So Isaiah comes to King Ahaz, the king of Judah, and he says, look, man, calm down and be quiet. I, I love that, just the simplicity Isaiah comes and says, chill out. You are freaking out right now, and the whole nation is scared. But I'm telling you, God told me to come tell you, calm down and be quiet. Just take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. The nation of Israel and the nation of Aram, they are going to attack you. But let me tell you, they got nothing. He says, they're like smoldering sticks. Have any of you ever made a campfire and, and, and the campfire goes out? And then all that's left is just some little embers in the bottom of the pile. It's not really a fire anymore. I mean, there's still a little bit of heat coming off of it, but you certainly couldn't call it a fire. It's just kind of a smoldering stick, a little bucket of water, and that thing's done with. And Isaiah says, these two kingdoms that you're so afraid of, the ones that are about to, ta to attack you, all they are is a, a smoldering little campfire. They, they have no power. They're not a threat to you, so... Don't be cowardly, just calm down and be quiet. He describes them and he, and he describes the, the king of Aram. It's a, it's a guy named Rezin. And he describes the king of Israel. And he doesn't give us the guy's name. He just says that he's the son of Remaliah. His name was Pekah, P-E-K-A-H. But Isaiah doesn't use his name and it's kind of like a put down, you know, I, I, I can't even remember the guy's name. He's the son of Remaliah, I think. In, in other words, he's trying to get us to see that these guys are no problem. Don't worry about it. Calm down. Be quiet. Chill out. In fact, another reason he uses the name son of Remaliah is because that this guy, Pekah, he was not of royal lineage. He, he usurped the rightful king of Israel and, and started a coup and, and he took over and, and uh, he, he was kind of an upstart usurper, wasn't really a king. And, and so Isaiah is telling Ahaz, hey man, don't worry about it. These guys are nothing. He continues in verse seven. This is what the Lord God says, it will not happen. It will not occur. The chief city of Aram is Damascus, and the chief of Damascus is Rezin. This is the king of Damascus. Within 65 years, 
Ephraim too will be too shattered to be a people. He says, it's not gonna happen. You don't need to worry. In 65 years, these nations won't even exist anymore. They'll be too shattered to be a people. And then verse nine, he says this, the chief city of Ephraim is Samaria. The chief of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. And now listen, listen. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Isaiah says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Isaiah is challenging King Ahaz to exercise some faith. He says, look, I I get it. It's scary. There's two kingdoms and they're about to attack you. But I'm telling you on behalf of the Lord God that it's not gonna happen. Don't worry about it. Be calm, be quiet. God is in control. They are just a smoldering little campfire. You don't need to worry about them. So Ahaz, stand firm in your faith. And if you don't stand firm in your faith, Ahaz, then at the end of this, you will not stand at all. This passage, eventually we're gonna get to Emmanuel, but it starts off with the prophet challenging this king to stand firm in his faith, to stand firm in his faith. Ahaz has a real problem. There are kingdoms that are about to attack him, and there's another even greater kingdom past them. They're terrified, but they're called to stand firm in their faith, okay? Now, that was a little bit of a history lesson, so is everybody with me so far? Yeah? Okay, good. All right, King Ahaz... Judah, Aram, and Israel are attacking him. God says to Ahaz, don't worry about those guys. I've got this under control. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. And this morning, the challenge to each of us is to stand firm in our faith. And so we're going to continue to look at what that means. So in verse 10, Isaiah says this. To King Ahaz, verse 10. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. I love this verse because it's it's vast. Isaiah is speaking to Ahaz and he says, look, I want you to have faith in God. But you can ask God for a sign and he'll give it to you. In fact, you can ask for a sign that is as deep as Sheol or as deep as the grave or as deep as hell and as high as heaven. I I mean, ask for a big sign, Ahaz. Ask for a big sign and God will do it. Isaiah is calling King Ahaz to stand in his faith. And he says, and look, Ahaz, if if you're worried, then ask God for a sign. Ask God to show up. Ask God for a big sign and he'll do it. But listen, here's what Ahaz said. Verse 12, Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Now, on the surface, that that sounds kind of spiritual, right? Oh, I won't test the Lord. I I don't want to test God. But the truth is, it's a cop-out. Isaiah is telling Ahaz, ask for a big sign, Ahaz. 
Let God confirm your faith. And Ahaz says, no, I won't do it. I won't test the Lord. There's a lot of times in our life where we kind of respond the same way. We're facing something. We're facing a, a difficult season. We're facing a trial. And we pray about it a little bit. But then we just kind of give up. Well, you know, God's got bigger things to worry about than my little problem. I, I don't want to bring that to the Lord. You know, he doesn't have time for that. What if he doesn't answer, you know? I, and, I mean, I prayed three times already. Just expect me to pray four times? <laughs> well, man, we give up easy, don't we? I do. But Isaiah says to Ahaz, Ahaz, test the Lord. Ask for something big. And Ahaz says, no, no, that seems like too much work. <laughs> Our faith must be exercised. Isaiah calls Ahaz to stand in his faith, to stand firm in his faith. But then he calls him to exercise that faith by calling out to the Lord, by asking the Lord to show him a sign, by asking the Lord to show up and do something. But Ahaz won't even do it. He, he won't exercise his faith at all. He just says, no, I, I'm not going to test the Lord. Look, we're church people. That's why you're here on a Sunday morning at church. If you're not a church person, we are so glad you're here and you got here on the right day. But a lot of us, we call ourselves people of faith and yet there's so many times where we don't step out in faith and exercise our faith and ask the Lord to move. Well, no. King Ahaz is facing this huge trial. He's inspecting the aqueducts, making sure the city is prepared for the siege, but he won't just ask God to move. And some of you right now, maybe you're facing a difficult season and you're not praying about it. Ask God to move. Ask him to move. Ahaz replied, I will not test the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah says to him in verse 13, listen, house of David. I love that. Listen, house of David. Listen, you dummy. That's what he really meant. It's not enough for you to try the patience of men. Will you also try the patience of God? Isaiah comes to Ahaz as the prophet of, the God, of God. And he says, Ahaz, God is in control don't worry, don't be afraid. In fact, if you're not sure, then ask the Lord, test him. Ask him for a sign. And Ahaz just goes, eh, no, I won't do that. And Isaiah is frustrated because Ahaz refuses to exercise his faith. Ahaz refuses to step out in faith. Ahaz just says, no, I won't do it. And Isaiah says, not only are you testing my patience, but you're testing God's patience now.
Here's the truth. When we refuse to exercise our faith, to step out in faith, to seek the Lord in our time of need, we're testing God's patience. God has granted us all that we need for life and godliness, Scripture says, and yet we refuse to ask. Maybe it's because we're too proud. We don't want to ask for help. I'm guilty of that many times in my life. I don't like to ask for help. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to show weakness or show need, and God is calling to us to ask he already knows we're weak. <laughs> he already knows we're needy. Amen. I mean, wh what are we trying to prove to God? God, I got this. No, you don't. Ask me for help. And Ahaz says, uh, I, don't, I don't want to. I, I'm not going to do it. And Isaiah says, not only are you driving me crazy, but you are testing the patience of the Lord, Ahaz. We must exercise our faith. We must call to the Lord in faith. We must go to the Lord in faith. But Ahaz chooses not to. So he comes up with his own solution. The book of Isaiah records the perspective of the prophet Isaiah. But the book of 2 Kings records another perspective, and it tells us what Ahaz chose to do instead of seeking the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 7, tells us this. So Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. March up and save me from the grasp of King Aram and of the king of Israel who are rising up against me. Okay? Remember, the Assyrian Empire was up here at the northern border of Israel and Aram. And Israel and Aram were going to attack Judah. And so Judah says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Assyria. I'm going to go to the superpower and I'm going to ask them to save me. And if they attack Israel and Aram from the north, then I've got no problem. So he, he says, this is a good idea. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Assyria to help me. And, and, and here's what he says to Assyria. I am your son. Right? I mean, the guy won't call out to God for help. The guy won't call out to the Lord for a sign. He won't admit his need to God, but he'll go to Assyria and he'll say, hey, I need you, I need you. I need you, Assyria. I'm, I'm your son. Save me. Save me from the grasp of the king of Aram and the king of Israel who are rising up against me. And listen what else he does. Ahaz took the silver and gold found in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king's palace and sent them to the king of Assyria as a bribe. Not only was Ahaz willing to get down on his knees and beg for help from Assyria, but he took gold from the temple of God and gold from his treasury. These are the things that God has entrusted to them, and he gave it to Assyria. And he said, please, we need your help. 
We need your help. And here's what happened. Verse 9, the king of Assyria listened to him and marched up to Damascus and captured it. And he deported its people to Kir, but to Rezin, uh, but put Rezin to death. That's the king of Aram. Here's what we need to see about Ahaz and what we need to see about our lives as well. Our choices reveal our faith. Our choices reveal where our faith is. Ahaz wasn't willing to ask God for help, but he went to the king of Assyria and he said, only you can save me. Only you can help me. Listen, God's people, what are the things that we're trusting in instead of trusting the Lord? What are the things that we look to and say, only you can save me? Only this career can save me. Only this financial move can save me. Only this relationship can save me. If I, if I just move some things and adjust some things around, then that'll save me. And yet, like Ahaz, we never went to the Lord with it. We just came up with a plan, something that seemed good. I mean, it makes sense, right? The Assyrian Empire, it's a big kingdom. They can take out Ahaz. I mean, they can take out Aram, and they can take out Israel. It makes sense from a human perspective. And there's a lot of things in our life that make sense from a human perspective. There's a lot of things that if we're just basing our life on the here and now, there's a lot of things that make sense. When you take God out of the equation, there's a lot of things that make sense, but the end is destruction. It's what scripture says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. There is a way that makes sense in the here and now, in the temporary, but the end of that decision is destruction. Ahaz says, this makes sense. If I can get Assyria with me, then I've got it made. You know what happened? Assyria, they came in and they saved his bacon. And they made the nation of Judah their slaves, basically. They were now subject to Assyria. They had given away their birthright as the people of God to become the children of Assyria. Remember Ahaz said, we are your sons. Just take us under your wing, Assyria. And man, what do we give up when we seek the world's solutions instead of seeking God's solutions? But we do it all the time. We do it in relationships. This is too hard. I'm done. I'm walking away. God says, I'm not done. We do it with our kids. I just don't want to fight with them anymore. I, they don't want to go to church, so I'm not going to make them. What's the big deal? I, I'm all for dragging your kids to church, by the way. Let me, let's just be clear about that. 
I mean, when they're 18 and they're out of your house, then you can't make them anymore. But until then, by the way, let me, let me clarify that. If you love Jesus, your kids know. And if you don't, your kids know. And if you live a life Monday through Friday that doesn't exhibit love for Jesus and then drag your kids on church to church on Sunday to put on a show for all the church people, they know. So drag them to church, but more importantly, live a life that demonstrates love for Jesus Monday through Friday. And then it won't be so hard to drag them to church on Sunday. So it's just too hard. Just don't want to do it. Just going to give up. Just going to walk away. God says, I'm not done. I'm not done. But we stopped asking a long time ago, and we stopped seeking a long time ago. And Ahaz gave up, and he said, this is too hard. The enemy's too big. I'm just going to go to Assyria and ask them to come step in and save me. And he gave up God's best for a temporary solution that ultimately led to the destruction of the kingdom of Judah. They would become exiles. They would become captives. They would become slaves to these greater nations and empires because Ahaz would not stand firm in his faith. He wouldn't exercise his faith. He put his solutions and his, his hope in man-made solutions instead of God. God sees the end from the beginning. And look, you may be in a situation right now that you can't make sense of it. That's where Ahaz was at. I mean, let's not pretend like this wasn't a big deal. There were two nations on his border and they were about to attack. This was big. But God spoke to him through the prophet and said, Ahaz, trust me, trust me, trust me, put your faith in me, test me, try me, I've got you, I've got you, I've got you. And yet he said, nah, I'm gonna go to Assyria, see what they got to offer. And this morning, I'm telling you, stand in your faith. Whatever you're facing, I promise, if you stand in your faith, God has a plan and he is working all things together for your good and his glory and he can do it. He can do it. So stand firm in your faith or at the end you won't be standing at all. You gotta exercise your faith. You gotta seek the Lord. Don't put your faith in man-made things. And yet, <laughs> I don't know about you, but many times I am guilty of putting my faith in man-made solutions instead of the Lord. But here's the good news, church. Isaiah 7, verse 14 Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is right at the end of the passage where Isaiah says, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. And Ahaz says, no, 
I'm not going to test the Lord. And Isaiah says, come on, man, you're driving me crazy and you're testing God's patience. However, even though you didn't ask for it, even though you're not looking for it, even though you don't want it, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. And here's what it is. The virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Even when we're faithless, God gives us his son. Even when we're not looking for it. Here's what John chapter one says. Jesus came unto his own and his own people did not receive him. They weren't looking for him. They weren't looking for a sign. They weren't looking for God to show up in a manger in Bethlehem. He came unto his own and his own did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. This is spiritual life. This is a life of faith. The pastor says they, they weren't born of natural descent. This wasn't a man made birth. This wasn't a birds and bees and mamas and daddies kind of birth. <laughs> this was supernatural. It wasn't the will of man. It wasn't natural descent. It was of God. And this morning, there's some of us that are looking for natural man-made solutions to God-sized problems, and it will not work. I mean, it might give you some temporary relief in the moment, but at the end, it will not work. Test the Lord. Seek him. He wants to move. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we observed his glory, the glory as of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is Emmanuel. 700 years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah said, a baby is coming and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah gives us this prophecy on the backdrop of King Ahaz refusing to seek the Lord. There's a crisis and Isaiah calls the king to stand firm in his faith, but the king refuses and seeks man-made solutions to a problem that only God can solve. And in the midst of that, God says, well, I've got a plan. Because the truth is, Scripture tells us there is no one righteous. 
not even one. There is no one who seeks after God. And so God sought us. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And we sang a song this morning that says, give me faith. And when we will turn to him, he will give us the faith that we lack. This morning, whatever your situation is, if you don't have the faith you need, then ask God and he will give it to you. This morning, if you're making bad choices, trying to solve a problem that only God can solve, then ask God to forgive you and show you a better way, and he will show you a better way. I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying it'll be overnight. But his way is better than your way. I can promise you that. So seek the Lord. Step out in faith today. Ask him. Ask him. Now, the reason I am so certain of this, the reason I am so certain that God will show up in your situation is because he already showed up in the person of Jesus Christ. He already showed up in the life of a Savior who would live a perfect life and die a sinless death and raise triumphantly over the grave so that we would have victory. Scripture says, sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And there may be some things in this life that don't get solved the way you want them to get solved, but we have victory. Last week, some of the deacons and I got to pray with a man after the service who's got a sickness. And I was encouraged speaking to him before the service because he said, look, I, I want to ask God for healing this morning and I haven't asked him yet, but, but I want to come out in faith and ask him for healing. But I know that whether he heals me or not, ultimately I have already been healed because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's true, church. So this morning, is there an area of your life where you're not exercising faith? Is there an area of your life where you're looking for man-made solutions instead of God-ordained solutions? And maybe there's someone in here this morning who has never come to the Lord in faith for the very first time. It's called saving faith. We read out of John 1, it says that Emmanuel, God with us, came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, to those who called on his name, he gave, God gave them the right to become the children of God. And maybe this morning you need to step out in faith to trust in Jesus as your Savior. We're born in sin, we're born selfish, we're born trying to do things our own way, looking out for ourselves instead of other people. That sin separates us from God. 
But God made a way through Jesus Christ that we could be saved, reconciled, redeemed, adopted into the family of God. And maybe today you need to put your faith in Jesus as Savior. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. We're going to sing this song again, Give Me Faith. You to let it be a prayer this morning, asking God to increase your faith. And, and, and some of you, there's no doubt, for some of you, there's a specific situation in your life, and you know it. God is impressing it upon your heart right now that there is a specific area of your life where you need to trust him and step out in faith and allow him to move. You've been looking for man-made temporary solutions, but God has a better way, and this morning he's calling you to trust him. I want to invite you to give it to him this morning. Maybe you want to even come down here as a sign to just step out in faith and pray. Some of you this morning, as I talked about trusting in Jesus for salvation, you know that you need to do that today. I'm going to be standing right down here. I'm going to put a face mask on so I won't breathe on you. But come talk to me, and I would love to pray with you, show you how you can put your faith in Jesus for salvation. As we sing this morning, I invite you to respond. Lord, we love you. Increase our faith. Help us to be obedient to wherever you're calling us. Help us to walk in faith, to exercise our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing with us. And I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me, and my flesh may fail. But my God, he never will. Come on. And I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. And my flesh may fail, but my God, he never One more time, sing it with us. And I may be weak. Let it be your prayer. But your spirit's strong in me. And my flesh may fail, but my God, give me faith, Lord. Give me faith, Lord, to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life, Lord. Oh, give me faith, Lord, this morning. Give us faith, Lord. Give me faith to trust what you say, Lord. That you're good and your love is great. I'm broke. I give you my life, Lord. Oh, let's do that bridge one more time. I may be weak. And I may be weak. I want you to sing it. Come on. But your spirit's strong in me. My God, my God, I may be weak. And I may be your spirit, your spirit strong in me. And my
my flesh may fail, but our God, he never will. But my God never will. Yes, Lord. Amen, amen. Church, I love you. I'm so grateful for you this morning. I pray that this week as you do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Hey, kids are starting back to school tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Hey, OBC kids, we're so happy that you're in here, and I pray that God would increase your faith as well. But let's live lives of faith. Let's follow him knowing that because of Emmanuel, he has already given us all that we need for faith, for life, and godliness. So glad that you're here. If you're our guest, please let us know through uh, texting connect to the number you saw earlier. We have one of our missionary heroes here in the service today, Francette Fredericks. She and her, yeah, praise the Lord. She and her husband, Lionel, serve uh, just in the area around Jockmel, Haiti, uh, through uh, church and orphanage ministry and just an incredible ministry. She's here in town uh, just for this Sunday. So uh, just let her know you're praying for her this morning. Um, Next Sunday, December 6th, join us for our experience Christmas night and pick up your uh, kids' advent boxes on the way out, families. Church, I love you. Let's ask God to continue to increase our faith this week. Love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.